Here at the Downer Law Firm, we have over 40 years of experience handling personal injury claims such as car accidents, truck accidents, workers' compensation, even wrongful death. So if you're injured, give us a call. We've got you covered. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the 704 High School Highlight Podcast. My name is Jeff Taylor. I'm the sports director here at Bay Heckle Sports. Thanks for joining us, and thanks to my guest and my good friend, Reggie Walker. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. How you doing? Football season. It's football season. So we've been friends for a while. Yep. I know a lot about you, but maybe our viewers don't know a whole lot about you. Just talk to me a little bit about your journey uh, playing football in high school and, and where it kind of took you. Yeah, it's funny you say that, like playing football in high school, because that's actually where it started for me. And, and I think... That's the interesting conversation I've had with a lot of people is how soon do you need to start playing? And I'm, I'm sort of convinced that kids don't necessarily need to be hitting until eighth or ninth grade. I, I, that's just kind of how I feel about it. I didn't until ninth grade. I never right. played tackle football until ninth grade. And uh, the I think the thing that boded really well for me and really helped me was my first two years of high school, my dad was in the Navy, so I, I was in California. So it's a more of a wide open style and playing corner on Morgan sure. Island all the time. Right. Then my last two years, I go to Virginia, and there's there's a lot more pa- there's enough passing involved as well. A little bit more running game, but it, it's pretty open. But it was two different sort of styles of the same type of football. That open football, passing the ball, multiple formations. All of that. I saw that in both of my high schools, which really really helped me understand the game, especially as a defensive player, defensive back. To understand what teams are trying to do to you. So that's kind of where it started. Uh, found my way to Penn State. Uh, I, I, I always laugh, right, because uh, rest in peace to Coach Paterno, but, like, I had a chance to play for Coach Joe Paterno, right? Like, that guy yelled at me, right? I'm, and I'm okay with that. Right. And I think that's one of the things that – And it was yelling, yelling. It wasn't that no, it wasn't, quiet talking. No, it was finger. not. It was not. <laughs> you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You know. Um, and But what it was, I, I watched a guy that really – from a football standpoint, he understood the game so well. I remember situations in games where he'd walk up to the offensive coordinator and literally say, we need to get this guy the football. And when they do that next play, when that guy gets the football, it's a touchdown or it's a big play. And it's like, how does this guy even know? Like, not only does he know who, he knows the play call, but they know what he wants Right. as soon as he says it. I I thought that was very interesting uh, to find out and to watch. And so... Between that and and then, you know, after that, working at ESPN, I think, is when I really felt like, okay, I can kind of do some things. Right. Uh, I had a chance to work basically every day during football season with Trent Dilfer and Sean Salisbury. And then when I got to start working on more of the college projects, it was people like Kirk Herbstreet, uh, get to Charlotte, I'm, I'm, I'm working with... Kevin Carter and Charles Arbuckle, and just talking football, Tom Luganville, got to mention him as well, just talking ball. And and for some of those guys to look at me and say, hey, look, man, you can do this just as well as anybody else. That's kind of the impetus for me realizing, you know what, let's let's figure out how to get in a booth. Of course, at ESPN on the production side, you couldn't really, the timing didn't work. Right. Um, and I always laugh. It was a fateful day in April 2017 when layoffs happened. And... You know, I sort of looked myself in the mirror. I said, what are you going to do? And my response to myself was, go call games. Go figure out how to do it. And that fall, I was doing high school games on the radio. And that's where it started. Wow. 
You know, you mentioned some of these players, and you mentioned yourself. You know, there are players out there that have played football, whether it's college, NFL, and just you know their 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 gift is just they're an athlete. Right. But when you mentioned some of the players that you mentioned and people who kind of go on to, you know, to play the pros and stuff like that, there's also that mental aspect of just how sharp they are mentally, how, how they know the game. When you talked about Coach Paterno, how he knew the game, right. kind of the football whisperer. But you mentioned some of the people at ESPN and yourself. I know when we talk and stuff like that, it, it, you have, so you have your football player that's just the athlete, but then you have the football player that's the athlete and gets the mental part of it. Is that – you know what I'm getting at? Yeah, I do. And I think I, that's a very, very interesting point because I think as you go up in levels, I think that's where it shows itself, right? You can be a better athlete in high school. When you get to college, some of that better athlete doesn't work. You better have the proper technique or you better understand how to study tape. When you get to the NFL, everybody's the best of the best. So physically, it's not generally how you're going to win. Now, Listen, people blocking, you got to move people. I get all that. I'm, I'm not diminishing that. But I think to your point, when you are a left tackle in a stance and you see an outside linebacker walk up and you've got a, a, a defensive end right to your outside shoulder and the outside linebacker's standing on his heels, you've got to do the math and understand mentally, I'm responsible for this guy. This is where my help is. They're going to take care of this person. Right. You have to know and understand that, whether it's and, – and that's where I really had to, to figure some things out. I spent some time as a running back in college, and there were some sets, right? You're taught younger, the most dangerous guy is the, the, the one the most inside when you're pass protecting. Right. That's just what I did. Well, in college, there were times where they would literally say, no, that guy coming up the middle, that's the quarterback's responsibility. He's just got to get the ball out. What? Sorry. <laughs> when you're an 18-year-old kid and that's never been – now, now – some of the concepts have changed at right. the high school level now. But back then, when you hear that as an 18-year-old kid, 19-year-old kid, you're going, wait a minute, that, that's the opposite of what, what I've, I've learned. been taught. Well, now, I think that's where, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in a minute, but some of these high school coaches, particularly here in Charlotte, uh, they're so sophisticated. They're, they're really, really good, smart coaches that know the game. They're teaching those kinds of more complicated concepts at even the JV level. So by the time they get to varsity level, they understand some of those things. And so to be able to have the patience to teach it to players that young, uh, to me, says a lot. But, but that's part of the development and what I see in terms of the growth of high school football compared to years past. Sure. But it was definitely something I had to adjust to. And you, as you go up in levels, you have to be more and more mentally intact, more and more uh, what I would call it technically sound right. to play the game. Because you can get dominated. And if you look at it, this is one of the reasons why. And I, I always listen to technicians talk, right? And so one of the things and one of the people that I like listening to is Nick Saban. Nick Saban is the master of technique. That's why so many of his guys. He's a surgeon. I mean, it's... He's a surgeon. And this is what people don't realize. The position you see drafted the most from Alabama is what? Defensive back. Yeah, wow. Guess who their position coach is? It's Nick Saban. Oh, is he really coaching he them? Coaches I thought he just the had... defensive backs. Okay. Namely, the that corners. may be something people don't know, guys. So, I didn't know that. So when you think about guys like that played corner in college, some of them went on to play safety. Uh, the the Drake Kirkpatrick's, 
the Eddie Jacksons, which by the way, Kirkpatrick's son just committed to Alabama. Okay. Uh, the Eddie Jacksons, the D. Milners, all those types of guys, all those names that we saw in that stretch of Alabama winning national championships. Nick Saban is their position coach. That adds a lot, and that's why they're technically sound and fundamentally sound and play such good football. I know I've watched some of his practice like videos, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah, it's like. It, it's surgical. It's it's and then there's a there's a whole process and it's and it's, I mean there's a there's a line you don't waver off that line. No, no. <laughs> and that's that. And I think sometimes and and I've heard it being told to me by some coaches at the NFL level that sometimes his guys are so technical that the, some of the nuanced stuff they don't handle as right. well. Right. But they go to the NFL technically sound in Ready understanding the fundamentals and how to play with technique. So you brought it up a little bit, and we talk about, you know, so we're a couple weeks into the football season here. Yeah. And, um, you know, for me, and I've, early on I've looked, and you, you mentioned the coaches. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and I've thought about it, and, you know, we at Bay Heckle Sports, we went to 28 practices in 28 days. <laughs> I don't know how you did that. Uh, we did. and we, and we get some rest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> February, <laughs> February, right, February right. will rest. Well, that's and even then. Starts, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because right, you'll be in day right. 20 days. 20 days. You know, but as we've gone to these practices and watched – whether it's been a young coach and, and, and people know I, I kind of, you know, I love DJ McFadden and what he's doing at oh, Indy. he's um, phenomenal. But whether it's going there or watching, you know, uh, Coach Hales out at Butler. Yep. Um, you know, you, you mentioned it. It's gone away from let's just go out and play football to when you go, it's very precise. Yes. And it's on point and it's we're doing this and we're doing that and it's just not kind of – Throwing things up against you know the wall and see what sticks. It, that's exactly right. I think when you think about some of the names you mentioned, Chad Greer's another one that comes to mind as well. And I could I could go down the, the list, list is huge. Sam Griner. Yep. Um, you know uh, Kennedy Tinsley up at Mallard Creek. Um, Matt Coach Jenkins, Simmons at Palisades. Up, I mean I've been up, I mean brand and all these brand new coaches. The, the, well, and that's the thing that's interesting, right? Is is the new coaches are scary good, right? You think about. Simmons at Palisades. You think about Christian, both Chris James at uh, Charlotte Christian and Myers Park. Right. right, same name, different person. Right, exactly, different person. Garinger, the coach slips my mind. I like me. That's gonna hurt. That'll that'll mess with me the rest of the night. But the coach at Garinger, all of them. I mean, they just they understand it. And I think what helps is a lot of them obviously played high school football or around it, but played and or coached at the college level. Right. So they understand when you have sort of those limitations with your time and you have to maximize they understand how to build a practice plan that's the most efficient and effective for both player development and game plan implementation right and that's two different things that i think sometimes people don't think about but when you look at a lot of the coaches in this area and i I could name more i I, but i don't have i don't think we can just sit here and go go off (laughs) on a name off right but there are so many of them that really, truly understand the game right? and how to teach it. And I think that's the most important part. They are great teachers of the sport, of the game of football. Right. I remember uh, first Friday night, Providence and AK. Mm-hmm. And, and Coach Ward, I think Providence had the ball first and goal with a five. And what he's yelling from the sideline was, be perfect. That's it. Be perfect. That's it. They were not, but 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 it, it's almost this realm of, and it's not even almost. It's not the physical part of it, like we talked about. It's it's the mental and the culture. I can't tell you how many times talking to young coaches, it's been about the culture, changing the culture, or getting co- getting teams back to where they were, 
And the only way they can do that is by the mental aspect of it. I love that you said that. And I'm going to, this is going to be me sending a little bit of a message here. I know, I know this is, we're talking high school. Right. But I'm going to go all the way to the top level, to the NFL level, and talk to fans real quick. For everybody that believes in tanking and losing games, this is, culture is why you don't do that. Right. You do not want to establish a culture that accepts losing. You do not want to establish a culture that accepts not being 1% or 100% better every day. You do not want to be a part of or establish a culture that isn't about consistent growth and uplift, right? And so that is why, particularly at the national football level, yes, there is always the, well, we want the first pick. Well, I guarantee no coach wants the first pick ever because it means they lost a lot. No player wants to be on a team that has the first pick because it means you lost a lot. So all the Panther fans last year, granted, ended up with the first pick. Bryce Young, great. Everything's all good. But for all the fans that wanted them to keep losing games, no. No. Culture, culture, culture. Well, go back, and I guess we could talk about it now, but, like, you know, if you recall Matt Rule, he came in and was like, this is going to take four or five years. If I'm correct. He said, we're not going to be great. He did. This is going to take a while, so just hang with me. You're talking about guys who put their entire family and life and everything, you know, all of that to do this, and you're looking at them going, we'll be good. Right. And, and then I get it. There's a bu- I get it. I understand there's a building process, but you don't want that to be the building block of the building process. Well, as a coach and a GM, right, him and at the time Marty Hurney, then Scott right. Fitterer and, and, and Mr. Tepper, who, by the way, I've had a chance to meet and talk to, very pleasant conversation. Those guys can know that it is going to take two or three or four years. You can't verbalize it publicly. Right. Exactly. Everything publicly, right? And and I heard this I heard this this morning, uh, you know, just people talking and someone said, Well, you know, I'm tired of hearing them say we just want to be one and oh every day. Well, that's what it's about. You have to win the rep. Win the drill, right? Win the day, win the game, right? That's 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 the focus, right? And if you win every drill, then that generally means you're going to win that day, right? Which generally means you're going to have a really good chance to win on, right. on 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 Friday night or Saturday or Sunday, depending on what level of football you're at, right? So, um, as we mentioned, a couple weeks in, just how good is high school football in the Queen City? <laughs> It's funny. I, I mean, that's a general question. We no, could probably talk all day, but... No, you're right. I, I think, look, I, I would argue, and I've, I've only been here in Charlotte consistently. I was, I was here at one point, left for about six years, and then moved back. I've been back here about 12, 13 years. It's better than I've really ever seen it. Um, there were times where we saw... Two or three teams, right? The Independence, the days, Butler, the early right, Butler right. Days, the Tom Knotts days of the Indy, Tommy yeah, Knotts right. The, Indy, the, the early Butler days, and then uh, Newsom at yep. Butler, Brian yep. Hale's the early part. And when you think about, I mean, you can, I could go down the line with some of these schools. You, you, you think about some of the guys at Independence that went on to do what they did. Uh, you can say the same thing about a school like Butler. You go back to Mallard Creek. I mean, right. You could go all over the city and do some of that. But I think it's as good as it's ever been, and what I mean by that, I, I, I would actually argue that it's, it's, be, it's better than it's ever been. And the reason I say that is because back then, it was two or three or four schools that were pretty good. Right. Now, I would say just in the 
sort of Charlotte CMS slash private school ranks in Charlotte, I mean, there's not really a gimme game. No. I mean, you think about, let's just look at from a, a, a private league standpoint right now, right? You look at Latin, uh, you look at uh, Charlotte Christian and right. what they've done, you right. look at Providence Day, right? And, and look, I, there's another one I want to mention, don't sleep, and, and maybe this is, I'm a little biased because I coached with him and under him uh, for, for a time as well, but uh, Coach Langley, Thomas Langley out at Metrolina Christian. Listen, mm -hmm. that, that is not a big school. They don't have a lot of kids. Um, they don't. It's not like they run out there with 95 kids on a roster. Right. They don't, but they win consistently. He knows how to coach it. He knows how to teach it. Those kids understand how to play. Um, and I tell you that, I give a lot of credit to that program. I'm going to go backwards a little bit. When, when I got laid off, because I worked at ESPN for 12 years, I got laid off in 2017, and I didn't know what to do. Thomas Langley and Jamar Parker, who was the JV head coach at the time, they saved me mentally. I was, I was very frustrated. I was angry, and I needed a way to find some fun right. uh, in the midst of trying to find a job, right? So that can be you know, debilitating mentally at sure. times, too. I wasn't in any danger or anything, <laughs> but I was very frustrated. Oh, yeah. And he said, hey, you know, just, just be a part of this program. Do whatever you need to do. Bring your energy and, and, and just help teach these Come kids. Come on. And it was one of the best things that's ever happened in my life, and I appreciate him for that dearly. Um, and I think about some of the kids that have come out of that program. You think about a kid like a, an eyeshot finger. You think about uh, Bryce McPherson, who is who coming out of high school was the, depending on which service you looked at, was the number one or number two kicker or punter in the nation. That's a kid that when he was a JV, I watched him bang through a, 40-yard field goal in practice that probably would have been good from 50. Right. I looked his dad dead in the face, and I said, if you don't want to pay for college, you send this kid to every kicking camp the rest of his Somebody will grab him. And, he will not, and you will not pay for college. Right. And it came to fruition. And it was great to see Bryce and his family. It just so happened I, I showed up there for a playoff game, and it happened to be his last game because they lost. Right. And I had a chance to see his family, and his dad hugged me. And, and it was just great to see that family in that moment that that part of the journey was over, right? but the next step in the journey was still out there. Uh, that, that meant a lot, but you know, I look at coaches like that. I look at that league and the private schools around here, and you see the way that they're dominant. You see the way that they find ways to win. And then you look at the public school league, right. and you realize some of the players. And I, I shouldn't even, I don't know how I forgot to mention what we've seen at Chambers over the last seven right. years yeah. as well. Like, and I'm not no, trying you, to diminish anybody else. Huff. I mean, Huff you get huff. I'm like, no, you can, you can I mean, keep you going. You can go on right. and on and on. And it just, it's, it's. Weddington. Weddington. Listen, Andy Capone and what he's done out there has been tremendous. And, and Marvin and Porter Ridge are solid programs as well. Uh, Archer Kell is another good one. You know, should, Providence. <laughs> we I mean, that, that was a battle. That was. One between Providence and AK. So you, you look <clears> at all of these programs and you just, you can't help but wonder. How in the world any of these kids in this area goes without an opportunity to play at the college level because there are so many of them with high levels of talent that find ways to make plays left and right, and then they go to the college level and they do the same. So 
Let me jump on that thought. Mm-hmm. And I've pretty much asked anybody associated with football this question on the podcast. And you, you mentioned how kids with this much talent don't go to the next level or whatever. Your thoughts on the transfer portal? It's tough. It's really, really tough for kids if they was particularly, for lack of a better term, high D1, right? If you want to go to a Power 5 school, it, you've got to be probably one of the top 30 to 40 in the country at your position. Right. Otherwise, they're going to go to the portal likely and get someone else. And you may have to go somewhere else. And, and so this is my message to all the high school players out there listening. Number one, never disrespect an offer. Never. Number two, group of five programs, FCS programs, Division II programs, if they come knocking on your door, take them seriously. Because they genuinely want you. Right. And they are willing to pour into you and develop you. So from that standpoint, I think that's very important for people to understand. I think the portal will will start to to met itself out and slow down because I think some kids have found some of these NIL promises are a little bit hollow. That's number one. I think the second part of it is you still got a couple of kids left that are COVID. Right. That's yeah. That, I know so that that's, that's, that's the wrench in there. Yeah. The right. Numbers. Got it. And and to the point on the COVID thing, people have to understand this: if it's a COVID player or COVID players, you are allowed to exceed the scholarship limit. Only for COVID players, as long as the school can afford it financially. Right. So there are probably some programs still with at the Power 5 or FBS level, 86 or 87 kids on scholarship, maybe 88, right, because right. of COVID. Right. And then at the FCS level, I think the number is 63. There might be 64, 65 because of COVID. In the next couple of years, that number is going to, that's going to dwindle, and that will right. help. But I still think the portal is here to stay for a while. But I think what's happening is I think over time we're going to see less guys become portal happy, if you will. Now, the multi-transfer rule is also in play. Right. So that's going to factor in as well. But I think over time you're going to see less and less kids jump because it hasn't always worked out. And I think you're going to see less and less coaches do it. Unless they're new coaches and trying to turn over a roster – I think they're just going to go find a couple of pieces here or there, here or there. if and, they need to. And, and people who've listened to the podcast know my thoughts on it. I don't like it, but I understand it in points. I mean, right. like if all of a sudden, you know, you're at Virginia mm-hmm. or no, uh, South Carolina, and you've got Shane Beamer, and he's recruited you, you're going to go to there, and all of a sudden Shane leaves. That's right. And you went because of the coach in that culture, I get it. Right. right. What I don't like is the kid who's like, I'm not getting any playing time. I want to go here. You know, and it's more of a – Entitlement. I don't want to use that, but it's it's it's, it's that, and and the people who do it two or three times. It's the presumption that just because they they had a certain amount of stars, they're going to play. Right. And the reality is, I think. Welcome to college. That's right. That's exactly. Welcome to adulthood. You have to be the better player. Right. The college. And now some people will tell you. You are now the small fish in the big pond. That's exactly right. And 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 I think that's the thing that that people have to understand. Now you look at, let's just look at some of the college football programs in this area, right? Uh, you think about Charlotte with Will Healy. He went in the portal early in his tenure, and he hit on a lot of guys. Right. They went to postseason, right? The list goes on and on. And then on the backside of it, he went back in there, and maybe he kind of – some guys were not as productive as people thought they would be. Right. For whatever reason, whether it was the player, the coach, whatever it might have been. I don't know. 
I, I can't inherently figure out human behavior and human player development, right? Right. But for whatever reason, some of those guys didn't work out on the back end, and, and he's gone, right? Then you go a little bit west. You go out to Gardner-Webb, an FCS program out in Boiling Springs, and, and you better know where you're going if you're going to Boiling Springs. And I, I don't mean that <laughs> disrespectfully to anybody out there, but it, that's not generally a place you get there accidentally. Right. But you look at what Trey Lamb has done with that program and the way he has used the portal to go get what he's needed, but also kept a lot of those guys home. Also, it's hard to get where they are. And absolutely. Just, yep. And he's also, if you, you think about, let's use, for instance, one of the best defensive players at the FCS level, great pass rusher, Ty French out there. That is a homegrown, Trey Lamb recruited football player. Period. And he is one of the He's better pass rushers mm-hmm. in the FCS. Right. Uh, Nyree Gaither was inherited by Trey Lamb. He's, he's from Rock Hill, great running back. He stayed there. Right? You think about kids from the Charlotte area, Nyree Gaither, or, or I shouldn't say Nyree Gaither, Xavion Brower, mm-hmm. while he was at Butler. Butler played yeah. for Brian Hales, did a great job for Brian Hales, left handed <clears throat> quarterback. He found his way to Gardner Webb, and he's developing into a nice college quarterback. So, it's about being able to use both to your advantage because if you look at maybe the linebacking group at Gardner-Webb, a lot of those guys are transfers. Right. Trey has done a great job of blending, but he goes and gets what he needs. He didn't go in there and say, I'm going to get rid of every single player and bring in a whole new roster. He went and got and added to what he had, right? So it's one of those things where, and I think you would understand this as a family man, sometimes you – you're thinking about something for dinner and you're on your way home and you're like, you know what? I could stop at the store, but I may have some of the things I need. Right. Let me go home. Check. Check the cupboard. Hmm. And then I'll go to the store right. and finish up the groceries. That right there is the epitome, I think, of what Trey Lamb has done at Gardner Webb. Got it. So you have run the gamut in terms of broadcasting, <laughs> uh, yes. you know, and, and been a part of just all kinds of great things. I'm just going to ask you this in terms of, you know, you're in year two now working with us at Bayhackle Sports. Um, how cool is it to be a part of that on Friday nights and, and what we're trying to accomplish being your home for high school sports? i tell you something, Jeff, I, and, and Darren Vaught, my esteemed play-by-play colleague who does an excellent job. I love Darren. Now, I had him on my first podcast. Yes, I'm yes. sorry I didn't get to you no, earlier. It's all good. It's all, and, I, and I want to make this point about Darren. Darren, I'm sorry. I'm telling you business. That man lives in Chapel Hill. I, I, and I didn't know that so until he, the other day. Yeah, I had no idea. He comes back and forth to do this. Wow. And I say that to say, me and him have talked about this a lot. It, this has become sort of our passion. It's, it's, it's much more of a passion project than anything. I think for both of us, it's the opportunity to uplift the kids. And then for me, who works and does games at the college level, I can then tell coaches, hey, I don't know if you've seen such and such kid, but... I think he can play at this level, and he doesn't have any offers. You might want to go check him out. Right. Pull him up on tape, go to whatever app you use or whatever, and, and give this kid a, a couple of eyeballs because he's worth it. And, and that, those types of things are what really motivates me to continue to do this, number one. And then the second piece of it is being able to amplify the coaches as well and, and what they're willing to do. One of the things I've always said, and I think you've heard me as I've done games, I try to establish the positive in a play. If there's an interception, did the defensive player just do something right? Or did the quarterback do something wrong? And nine times out of ten, 
The defensive player in that scenario, right, maybe just did something great. That doesn't mean the quarterback messed up. Right. The kid made a great play. Right. Some kids make great plays. And so I try to bring it in a positive light as much as I can, but also I try to remind people, when you go out there and you're watching a game, if you want to criticize a coach, fine. Now next week, you go stand on that sideline and you call those plays. Because every single coach calls a play with the idea that it's going to work. And every single defensive coach calls a play with the idea that they're going to stop the offensive play. Somebody got to be wrong. Right. Every play. Right. That doesn't mean they're a bad coach. That doesn't mean they're trying to lose. That doesn't mean they don't know what they're doing. And I think for me, it's an opportunity for me to explain and talk people through what's happening on the field, why things are working, and why they're not working based on what the other side is doing. Right. You know, and when we think about high school sports, and, and for me especially high school football, but all high school sports, um, and you can elaborate on this, people go like, why is it so popular? Why is it, you know, why is it, what, what is it about high school sports that makes it so popular? And for me, and it's almost, don't get me wrong, I almost can't explain it. And, and let me just tell you this, like, I, offic- I, oh, I played middle school, high school, college. Um, and, I, and whether it was middle school, college, it's a different ball game. High school football on a Friday night, yep. when you ran out onto that field, yep. it's, and you don't get it, it's just something there. And then, like, you know, I officiated for 10 years. Oh, yeah. My dad officiated for 50 years. <laughs> 50 years. Did a number of, uh, you know, Virginia State championships. He, he, he was in a game that Ronald Curry played in. Wow. And Michael Vick played in. Wow. So, you know, and he saw these people. But I asked him, I said, when's the time to walk away? And he said, when I walk on that field on a Friday night and I don't have butterflies, and this is after 50 years, and I don't feel it. And I'm like, what do you mean by it? He goes, you know what I'm talking about. And so am am I right? Like, what is it about high school sports? And whether we're in a gym or a baseball field, it's just something there. Well, I think it's two things. And I I mean this respectfully to all the, you know, the YMCA leagues and all the other leagues before that. It's the first time it counts. Right. It's the first time that the score and your overall season performance and all those things, it's the first time they matter and they can sort of accumulate to something. That's number one. And I would argue that high school is probably still the purest form of sport. And here's why I say that. You think about it oftentimes, grade school, middle school, and I mean this respectfully to those that are willing to, to, to do it. Somebody's dad may be coaching. Somebody else's dad may not get along with them, right? All of those types of things. Sure. So I'm going to put my kid on this team on purpose. Yeah. Right? Or, or a couple of moms don't like each other. I'm going to put my kid on this team on purpose away right. from that person. Right. By and large, now obviously charter schools and private schools are a little bit different at the high school level. Sure. But by and large in high school, a coach got a coach who shows up. Right. And the parents, by and large, in the public sector anyway, the only way they can control it is where they buy their house. Right. That's it. And so it's the purest form. The teams are new every year. You have kids graduating 
and going on to the next thing all the time. It's a rotating door. It's a revolving door of players that you don't know how they're going to develop every year. Right. I think that's a big piece of it. And I think the other part of it is, man, it's the family thing, right? Like, you think about it, and and depending on where you are, let's take, for example, um, let's use Richmond Senior, for example, on Rockingham, right? Right. They just won an award for, like, the, the best high school stadium in the state or something like that. You know why? They all go to the game. Mom, grandma, cousin, uncle. Like, if one kid in the family is on that football team, four generations and it shuts are down going the t- to And it the shuts game. down the town. It shuts down the town. Right. And I think that's what it becomes. And if you go backwards in the history of high school football in particular, many cities – Especially back then, they didn't have a lot of high schools. Right. Right? There was one or two. Two, yeah. Right? You, you look at, I think the best example I can use is, is Rockingham again. There's one high school out there, Richmond Senior. One. That's everybody. Right. That's the entire county. You go to some of these places, it is basically town versus town. Right. I remember, you know, in high school, being in California, check this out. There was a high school called Clovis High School. It was in Clovis, California. There's also a Clovis, New Mexico. You know they played? Each other. <laughs> yes. They figured it out. Yes, planes are involved. Yes, people. High school, public schools were flying to play games. Hey. Yes. But the whole town went. I mean, they, they, there were several different flights leaving central and northern California, San Francisco, Sacramento, wherever they had to fly out of. Vice, uh, Fresno, whatever, to fly to Clovis, New Mexico with those kids to support them to play the game. Right. And vice versa. That's why I think high school is such a, a thing because you can get generations upon generations of people to show up to support the one or two people in their family that's playing. You mentioned the word pure, which, mm. I, and, and, and I get it. Back, however, a month or two ago, there was a point where North Carolina might have done the NIL for. High school kids. And I think, I don't know how many states there are right now. I think there's 10, 12. Um, Just let me ask you that, the NIL. I don't like it for high school kids. Um, I even struggle with it somewhat on the the college level. But for high school, I guess I'm asking you this. We mentioned the word pure. How do we keep it that way? Like, do you know what I'm getting at? Like, I mean, even today you hear people talk about, well, my kid, you know, we moved our kid here, and we did this, and we did that, and you know. But how how do we, how do how do we keep it? Well, let me let me go backwards and say this way. Say this, um, and I mean this with the utmost of respect to everybody. You notice I said purist. I didn't say pure. Uh, right. Okay. <laughs> it's the closest. Touche. There we go. To pu- right? There we it's go. The got it. I got you. You're right. It is. It is. Look. At the end of the day. It's kind of where we are. Did I ever think we'd be there? No. If I, if I told you I, I thought it was perfect, um, I would be not telling you the whole truth because part of me is like, then why didn't we do this sooner? Because I could have done this. Right. Right? So there's, right. No, no, there, yeah. there's exactly. part of that in me. I'm not afraid to admit that. But I think at this point in time in particular, everything comes back to money. And everybody is going to do whatever they've got to do to follow the money. And here's what I mean. Whether it's 
gaming or wagering within a state, everybody wants it now because there's money. Right. Whether it's um, NIL for high school and college kids, everybody wants to do it now because it's money. But here's the money piece of it that people are not thinking about, right? When you think about what we saw, even during COVID, where you saw players move across the country because other states were going to play right. and their state was not. This is money. This is taxpayer money that people aren't even thinking about. Because I'm going to tell you right now, let's just say North Carolina was like, we're never going to do NIL for high school. Right. And South Carolina says, we're doing NIL for high school. And North Carolina says, or in Virginia says, we're doing NIL for high school. You know how you know how populated Danville, Virginia would get? Or Rock Hill. <laughs> or Rock Hill. Fort right? Mill. The, the Indian Land. All, right. Those people, Chesterfield. Right. right. Because those people would be like, I mean, I, I live five, I live, I live five miles from the, you know. There you go. I mean, Matthews, you're, 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 you could be 10 minutes from the South Carolina border. I, listen, I'm going to tell on myself. I live so far south in Charlotte. I get my gas in South Carolina. <laughs> and you know what? I, I know. Because it's cheaper. cheaper. It comes, <laughs> comes down to, to money. money. <laughs> and, and so, I, you know, states are aware. I'm, I'm telling you right now, a state lawmaker, when someone says, what about NIL for high school? And someone goes, no, we're absolutely not doing that. There is one, at least one state lawmaker that says, whoa, 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 whoa. That's going to impact companies with employees that say, we don't want the headquarters or that office to go to that state because of my, maybe because of my kids' high school sports. Right. Right. That, that's a factor now. And nobody can run from that. So when you think about what it really is, follow the money, but don't follow the money at the surface. Go deeper into where the money is going and where it's coming from, and you'll get a lot of answers. You think about it. At the end of the day, I, one of the things that, that I've always paid attention to, right, and you think about some of the places in the country where there is sports wagering right, and there are casinos of, of, of that nature. There were, at a time, organizations, companies, schools, athletic departments that maybe had said, we'll never take money from them. Check with them now. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing now? See. <laughs> All right. So let's let me end on this. <clears throat> Charlotte is loaded with football talent. We know that. Five kids that are currently playing that you can't wait to see, maybe at the next level. Oh, uh, David Sanders from Providence Day. Offensive lineman, he is a kid's unbelievable. I saw him the other day. I'm like, that's a <laughs> that's yeah, a big human being. A, he's a, and it's funny because and he's fast he, and he's one of the nicest people until he puts his helmet on and then he's going to he goes he goes field. he goes in that 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 mode that lineman mode. But as soon as he comes off the field, he's a great kid. Right, right. He just plays hard, and that's I'm okay with that. Um, so he's one. I, I, I would say. Uh, a kid that I think is going to be phenomenal. My only question is, what exactly is he going to play? Jaden Smith from West Charlotte. I yep. think he's going to be magnificent uh, at the next level. I, I really do. I really like him. Uh, Samari Matthews up at Huff. Right. Uh, maybe I'm more in love with him than others because he plays corner like I did. Right. Um, but that kid. He's a ball hawk. He's a ball hawk. He's got range. He understands how to play. He changes up technique based on what offenses and receivers are trying to do to him. All of those things. So I'm excited to see him uh, at the next level. Micah Gilbert uh, from Charlotte Christian. Yep. That kid is a stud. Shout out to Mark Gilbert out there as well. 
uh, played at Duke. Yep. Um, so so there so that that's four, right? I named four. Ooh man. Um, I could go so many directions. Five is not fair, but it's all good. I'm I'm cool with it. I st I mean to me I just I I, I want to see what Jaden Davis does. Yeah, he, yeah, he's one. I just he falls into that mold right now of quarterbacks that are yep, yep. the Bryce Young type deal that you yep. just I how's it going to translate? Well, it's it's Harbaugh. That's that's the thing for me, right? With Harbaugh and the way they play offense, I don't know that we're going to see him spin it fifty times a game. That's what I'm wondering. And that's what's going to be different. right. It's not that he's not going to be capable. I just that's just not how they play. Uh, I, I would say the fifth guy for me probably one of the five guys right now. And by the way, um, I'm pretty sure some kids are going to see this or hear this and decide that they're going to show up and show up when the Bayhawk Sports Game of the Week shows up. Which is good, right? Uh, we can do that. That's good. I'm good with that. Uh, Q Reddish uh, from over at Independence. Yep. Uh, defensive back, I think right now he's committed to Virginia Tech. Uh, very curious to see what he's going to do. Now, let me, let me give you a few names from Weddington that I think people better keep their eye on. Well, Three from Weddington and then another young guy at, at another school. Uh, the three from Weddington, uh, T.J. Davis. Yep. I think he goes by T.J. Yeah. That's Thomas Davis' son. And then the Harris Twins. Mm -hmm. um, those three players in the next couple of years, I believe they're all sophomores. They're going to be unbelievable players. And then another one to keep an eye on is Orlando Brown at Myers Park. I think he's going to be really good. Uh, Matthews, who I mentioned, he's just a sophomore up at Huff. So he's going to be uh, two more years after this year at the high school level. And by that time, he's going to be a freak at the college level. So I think those are some, some players that I would certainly keep an eye on. I'm sure there's others. Uh, young players, if I missed you, that's fine. Hit me on Twitter, rwalk13, rwalk13, <laughs> or maybe it's known as X now or whatever it's called. I don't know what it's you called know, anymore. Do you tweet? Do you post? I have I no idea. You. I will watch your tape, and then I will talk about you. So I'm fine with that. Good job on that. And you know, and, and the cool part about what we get to do is, like you said, you mentioned five or six kids. Yeah. We could have named hundreds. Absolutely. And, and, and not only that, just not only, like you said, and I, I love what you mentioned because I played Division three, but I played college ball, and it was an experience. Yeah. So to the kids out there that are listening to, you know, what Reggie said, you know, don't, you know, don't disappoint yourself when these, when these offers come in, whether it's one, two, a Division three school talks to you. JUCO, I mean – you get a chance to play college football. Yeah. You go. And be and have, willing. And, and, and just, yeah, just, you know, be willing to do it. Be willing to do something different as well, right? You, you can have a process, right? I think about, and this is where, and I'm going to go here, and sorry, y'all, if, if this is not the right way y'all want me to say this. This is another reason why I love a guy like Tom Luganville, because he understands it. His son, Quaid, plays at Weddington. Quaid is... Playing defensive line, he's somewhat undersized, but he plays hard. Quaid's also a long snapper. He's going to go to college because he can snap the football for punts. Yep. Field goals field, and extra yep. points. That, like, I, listen. If you're out there trying to figure out what to do, that's, that's not a bad route. <laughs> kicker is another one, right? But but having that kind of a father who understands how it all works, works. helps. Yep. And then having the work ethic that Quaid has, and I'm, I'm saying this because – I've seen the videos of Quaid just going out in the backyard and just snapping to a target, right? Who does that at 16, 17 years old? That kid, right? So be willing to do something. Be willing to help your team in any way you can, and then be willing to be a superstar in that role, and you'll get an opportunity at the next level. Reggie Walker. 
Thanks for your time, my friend. Appreciate you, Jeff. All right. Thanks, Listen for Reggie and Darren on all the Bay Hackle Sports uh, games of the week. They're a great duo. They do a great job, not only for that, but just all the stuff they do. What was your Twitter again? R-W-A-L-K-1-3, R-Walk-13. Make sure you hit them up. Hey, thanks for joining us for this episode. Make sure you, uh, wherever you watch or listen to your podcast, subscribe to the 704 High School Highlight Podcast. Like, share, comment. We love to keep in touch. Until next time, enjoy your week. Enjoy the football. Here at the Downer Law Firm, we have over 40 years of experience handling personal injury claims such as car accidents, truck accidents, workers' compensation, even wrongful death. So if you're injured, give us a call. We've got you covered.